TopplessRobot.com presents... You're listening to Animated Opinions, a podcast rotoscoped from a better podcast. I'm Melanie. And I am Emily. Today for you, we have a movie that I didn't know existed and that most people in the YouTube comments said they thought was a fever dream from their youth. It's The Princess and the Goblin. So I didn't read any of the YouTube comments, and now I feel the absolute need to do so. Yeah, most people are like, I had this on VHS, and I thought it was not real, because it's such a... It's weird, but it's just weird enough while following the regular tropes of an animated kids movie from the mid to late 80s that you're like, oh, I guess I just dreamed that while I was a kid. I, I feel like it's a movie that I saw as a kid. But I'm not certain. Like, I I definitely know that I had watched the animated Hobbit movie and the animated Lord of the Rings and the animated Return of the King. And they all looked very similar to this. Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm imagining it, but I definitely feel like... I had seen this as a kid, but I don't remember. I I did not see this as a kid. So this this fever dream is actually real. People in the YouTube comments and we can confirm that this movie is real, does exist, was made. And there are actual facts about it, which kind of. Can you hear that? I can hear you. Okay, I my roommate's cat is screaming. Oh, he's God, looking at me Donovan. through the window. No, he can see me. That's why he's screaming. <laughs> he's tormenting you. No, our windows are kitty quarter from each other, so I can see him right now. I'm waving at him, and he's very upset that I am in the other room, <laughs> and he can see me. Hey, buddy. Oh, he's mad. <laughs> what oh, is he angry about? That I am in here. Uh, my cat is sitting on the bed licking her butt. So Well, he's licking his butt, but in someone else's room. Um, Princess and the Goblin is what we watched. Did we even say that? I said it. I always say the movie right up top. It's like you don't even listen to our podcast. I have the I format, don't God to damn podcast. it. I don't remember you saying it. Yeah. I announced it, and I always announce it with a bit of prattle beforehand, so that way it sounds like I actually thought of an intro rather than thinking of it off the cuff. We're parting the kimono here, people. The Princess and the Goblin was the first animated feature from Wales, and it happened to be the 25th full-length cartoon from Hungary. Okay. Great. The film (laughs) was produced by the Welsh television station S4C, and the Cardiff-based C... uh, Welsh... Serial? Yeah, maybe Serial Studio. And then there was a Hungarian studio, Panoia, <laughs> Pano, Pannonia. Panera Bread. Foreign. Okay. The film was produced by the Welsh television station S4C and the Cardiff-based serial studio, along with Hungary's Pannonia. Pa- fuck. Pannonia. No, Hungary's S- Pannonian. Fuck. <laughs> Patagonia. Okay. P-A-N-N-O-N-I-A, Hungary's Pannonia Studio, and Japan's NHK. 
Last Ooh, she week. pronounced NHK right, y'all. Fuck you. I did S4C correctly and nobody fucking complimented me on that. It's because we didn't have to listen to you Charlie horse your way over Panoya. Kill me. You just said it wrong. Yeah, fuck you. I just said it and that's that. You know no one's listening for this shit. They're listening to hear us tear into this shit movie. Anyway, last week we made fun of a movie that I... Did we watch Hoodwinked? Yeah, we watched Hoodwinked. Okay, cool. So that had a budget of $8 million in like 2003 to 2005 money. And this week, um, the budget for Princess and the Goblin was $10 million in 1990, which according to the internet is almost $2 billion today. I am not certain I trust that number, but that is the number I was provided by the interweb. The budget for this was $10 million and they couldn't have afforded to write a second song? No. Jesus. Where did all I that money like, go? I feel like only one song was in the book. Oh, this is based on a book. Oh, so all that money went straight into animating those flappy goblin titties. Mm-hmm. All right. They're flappy goblin titties. This is directed by Josef Gimesh, who is a Hungarian. And most of the principal animation was done at the cereal facility in Wales. And from what I can tell, that company, the cereal uh, production company, has gone through plenty of restructuring and is now called Callan. And it is a TV production company. So they're still around. Um, Pannonia, I'm not sure about. It was hard to find decent information about that. So I can't confirm or deny the further existence of this film studio, but I couldn't figure out what the NHK had to do with it. Yeah, it's uh, surprising. So they helped with production. They didn't just uh, buy the rights afterwards. I don't know. It looks like, sorry, just as, as another aside, I just wanted to clarify Pannonia from what I can tell was still active about a decade ago, but I can't find anything super recent. So hmm. take take that as you will. Yeah, I, I don't know what Japan was doing with this. Yeah. Like it wasn't super evident why they were participating in this. I got nothing. I couldn't tell you. So... This was the first Welsh animated feature film, and that was 1990. Good for them. I went on a little tangent looking for more Welsh animated features going, they can't have just done the one. And I found, in chronological order, a horrifying little engine that could film, which is a 2D animated feature, from 1991, a stop-motion Jesus film called The Miracle Maker, and a 2003 film based on a series of Welsh tales written by bards from the Middle Ages that is mostly animated in the sense that a lot of it is 2D animated, but there are, like, two live-action sequences. And it's called The Mabinogi. Yeah, The Mabinogi. So the Y in Welsh, I believe, is a T-H sound. 
Man, so, I could go for a Mabinogi. That sounds delicious. That sounds like it's like it should be either a Polish dessert or I need to make it a drink. Oh, see, I was thinking like a pasta thing, you know, like a very different pierogi. Uh, the Mabinogi. Yeah, like imagine a nice like egg-based pasta. It's a little heavy. It's got some stuff inside of it. Yeah. I believe most pastas do contain egg. <sighs> okay. <sighs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> this is based on a book by George MacDonald. It's of the same name, The Princess and the Goblin. It did influence two much better authors, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. And that's, you know, fine. Tolkien's goblins. Watching this, I was like, wow, these are some fucking Lord of the Rings goblins. He was, in fact, influenced by MacDonald's work. And C.S. Lewis actually kind of gives a shout out to George MacDonald in one of his books. Uh, but it's in passing. So it's just like, oh, yeah, he's reading the the Curdy books or something like that. So, yeah, these these are pretty well-known books, I would say, or they were well-known back in the early 1900s to late, mid-1900s. Nothing to say about that? Nothing important. I mean, I didn't read the book, so I've got... I can't tell how accurate this is to the book. <laughs> it seems fairly accurate. I did a quick plot summary on the book. This is also not the first adaptation of The Princess and the Goblin, because in the 60s, the novel was adapted in animated form, once again, by Jay Ward for his Fractured Fairy Tales series. But his version involved a race of innocent goblins who were forced to live underground. The Goblin King falls in love with the princess. The prince saves her by reciting poetry because the goblins hate it. Uh, it was also, the, the novel was also a book in the 100 Classic Books collection for the Nintendo DS. Oh man, I didn't get to play that before we started. I'll never be able to give a game review of it. Oh no. The, the Wikipedia page for this movie also listed the following films. The Last Unicorn, The Black Cauldron, The Thief and the Cobbler, and Quest for Camelot. Now, I can only assume this is a list of dark fairy tales and or a list of films that are deemed critical box office failures that are also yeah. fairy tales. I don't know if The Last Unicorn I, bombed, though. See, I don't feel like this movie has the same vibe as any of those, though, until like the last 10 minutes. This movie is very light and fluffy until really it gets going in the last 15 minutes. There was a sequel to the book. Oh, is there more magic grandmas in it? Uh, no. As far as I know, I I have the ending written here. Curdie and Princess Irene, because we're going to get that right out of the way, is an older pronunciation of what we now know as the name Irene. So Curdie and Princess Irene get hitched and rule the kingdom after the king dies. However, they have no children. And after they both die, the kingdom deteriorates until one day it collapses and has never been spoken of again. Wow. Fucking dark. So now that we've set everybody up for the same level of disappointment that we experienced and we've gotten all the vague backstory out of the way, it's time for something even more disappointing, which is the uh, actual movie itself. 
All right, let me take it from here. In a mountainous kingdom, the widowed king leaves to attend affairs of state, leaving his beloved daughter, the sweet princess Irene, alone with her nursemaid, Luti. When Irene is on an outing with Luti, she runs away on purpose and Luti cannot find her. When the sun sets, Irene is lost in a sinister forest and is attacked when a clawed hand bursts through the earth and attempts to seize her kitten, Turnip. Several deformed animals corner the frightened princess until strange singing sounds through the trees drive them into a crazed and frightened fit, and they flee. The singing is revealed to be a young boy, Curdy, the son of a miner. He discovers Irene is lost and leads her back to the castle. He informs her that the monsters were goblins and their pets, and that they are driven away by singing. Curdy says that everyone except the king and his family know of the goblins, and Irene reveals she is a princess. My first note upon immediately starting this movie is, Emily, what the actual fuck is this Zelda CDI looking shit? I wish I could tell you, honestly. It's just the rotoscoped look of the animation with the limited shading and the limited movements and the slow eye blinks and the... (sighs) I didn't like it. I don't know. I, I stuck on the automated captions for this. And so the beginning of the movie and or Curdy singing, um, it, it just had music like in um, brackets for like a good long ass while. And I was like, probably, I don't know. But every time there was a character talking and music playing in the background, all it would do was say music. It's because the this movie wasn't mixed super great, so no, the music was very loud. My hopes were not high right off the bat. It, it did remind me a little bit, I think, of what they were going for, which... Yeah, sorry, I had a moment, because this looks like it should have come out in the 60s. But it came out uh, in the 90s. Yeah. Which is, which is why point. I'm getting confused, because I was about to say oh, did this come out before the animated Hobbit movies? Because I thought they were going for the uh, Rankin-Bass style of 2D animation. And I had to pause for a hot second and go, oh no, which came out first? Like the Hobbit movies came out by almost a good 30 years, I would say. Like I, I, if you told me If you sat me down and showed me this movie and I had no context for it and you told me to to tell you when I thought it was made, I would definitely have said like 65 to 68. Like we're not even crossing the 70s boundary. Yeah, it's uh, it's all voice acting and the lack of music and dialogue to or diegetic sound to it's done poorly. Yeah. Where did that 8 million go? 10 million. Where did that 10 million go? It was 10 million Welsh dollars. So it wasn't really that much money. I don't know what money Welsh people use. I'm sorry. Uh, The song that the kid sings sounds like Africa by Toto when it opens up. Do, 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 do. Yeah, it sounds exactly like that briefly. And then it gets into just being a doddering song that goes nowhere. The bard is always the most powerful in the party. And my captions said, no brackets, music, end bracket. But the kid 
was doing fine. Like the singing was fine. And that's mainly because it's Paul Keating, AKA Gavroche from like the original West end Les Mis, I think. So he was fine because he's a trained singer, but I realized while watching this, it had been a while since I had seen some 2d animation and this kind of made me hate it a lot. Like what came out around this time? Fucking, um, no, this was the early nineties. Cause I was going to say, um, Prince of Egypt oh, came out, God. but no, DreamWorks hadn't done Prince of Egypt yet. So Phew. no, that was 98. Fuck. So this movie was released in the U.S. We're skipping ahead a little bit. It was released in the U.S. between 93 and 94. So this movie that looks like it should have taken, like it it looks like it was made in the 60s, came out in the early 90s. And then a couple years later, the world is blessed with DreamWorks Prince of Egypt. How the fuck? Like, I know that this was made for $10 million in Wales, but shouldn't that money go further? Fuck. Fuck. Yeah. Okay. This movie. The the only thing I liked. The only thing I liked was Turn of the Cat. And as the as Curdy the boy, the minor boy, I spelled Curdy like eight million different ways. By the way, Um, and he's walking through the dark forest with the goblin creatures. Uh, All I could think of was Strange Magic, and how I would much rather be watching that. Yeah. Man, uh, the portrait animation on these characters is a nightmare. And, like, the design of Irene and Curdy is really inconsistent in this early bit mm-hmm. for some reason. I don't know why. They're, like, heights and face shapes are constantly changing and it's uncomfortable. And they rotoscoped a lot of Curdy's shots, which is weird. Like, he was very clearly rotoscoped when he was, like, dancing and walking through the forest. Really... There's only a few rotoscopes. Show- There's only a few rotos. I know. Burble, burble. Uh, let me get my tongue back in my mouth so I can tell you about the few rotoscoped shots in this movie and how easy it is to find them because the animation quality shoots up by like 500% for oh, one yeah. little bit and then it's done. Yeah, no, it's. Mm, it. Mm. That's a good way to put it. Mmm. Yeah, it's, uh, that is the noise I made while watching this. That's how I felt about that. It was bad. I, yeah, I was definitely super not a fucking fan. Oh, Princess in the Cup. <laughs> you? Uh, yeah, this is I started, your movie. Was it? I don't remember. Oh, yeah, what? it was. Sorry. Um, you I the started, one who said we had to watch this shit. I started playing a game called Drink When There Are No Shadows on Characters. And I ran out of alcohol. And that, what, what is this? Oh, and he, he has a, something along the lines of like, singing doesn't work so well down there. And Irene's like, down where? And Curdy's, and Curdy responds, but I didn't hear what he said because my brain immediately shut out anything that wasn't the song uh, Down Down to Goblin Town from one of the animated Lord of the Rings movies. It was amazing. And also, my captions were spelling his name K-I-R-T-I rather than C-U-R-D-I-E. And I was like, yeah, no, that's a better fucking name. I agree with that. 
so the character's eyebrows and eyes don't deform to emote, so it looks fucking ridiculous whenever they're trying to do anything, because she... Yeah. Irene just ends up looking like a weird doll most of the time. Which is fine. Also, Irene's entire dialogue with Curdy is something like, down where? Where she just asks dumb fucking questions based on the last two words that Curdy oh, said. yeah. For sure. Gosh. And then they're like leaning in to kiss and it's this insane rotoscope shot that makes them look like actual adults. Looty. Oh, Looty. Looty gets a lot of good shit near the end of this movie. Poor, yeah, no, holy shit, she does. Like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> But we're not there yet, so I won't spoil it. Oh, it's so unfortunate. I wish we were there right now. Me too. Who, there, I don't think, yeah, I had this in the wrong scene. Let me just move that note. There we go. Okay, we're good. Ah, uh, yes. So the next day, <laughs> Irene goes exploring in the castle after discovering a magical secret door in her bedroom. She ventures into a tower and meets the spirit of her great-great-grandmother, also called Irene. Grandmother informs the young princess that she will be there to help her, for Irene will soon be in grave danger. Yeah. Ludi trips on something, like a little prank that the the princess and her cat have set up. She falls for like eight fucking years. Like it takes her forever to fall to the ground after she has tripped. Yeah. Uh, this movie is mostly just Irene yelling exactly what she's about to do to the audience under the guise of her telling it to turn up. So she's like, Turnip, we're gonna go into this secret door! And Turnip meows or whatever, and she's like, Don't be afraid, cat! I am not afraid! And then she gets in there. Also, Irene immediately is like, I don't talk to strangers, ghost lady! And the ghost lady is like, I'm your grandma! My name's also Irene! And Irene's like, Fuck yeah! Nice! Grandma! I'm your great-great-grandmother, Irene! She's like, I don't have a great great grandmother. Irene immediately like. was just like, fuck yeah, great great grandma. I know who that is. Yeah, she like doesn't even question it. And you're like, um, maybe, maybe question this, please. Maybe a little. You gonna. Yeah, I feel like uh, you might want to question that. Yeah, yeah, well, I don't know. If some bitch is in your castle, are you gonna question it? If it's a fucking ghost. Okay, that's fair. Well, no, it's not that Irene is stupid. It's that Irene is really dumb. She's like eight. She's nine. Yeah, she's too little for this adventure. Distinctly. I mean, I would say that she is an okay length for... Length. She's an okay age for this adventure. She's not an ideal age for this adventure. But like little kids, little kids are fine. But yeah. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. So at this point, my power cut out. 
uh, while I was watching this movie. So I had to find an alternate way to watch it because I was using my PlayStation, but the power went out. So it decided to have issues picking up an IP address. So I had to turn that off until I had the patience to fucking deal with that, which spoilers, I haven't had the patience to deal with yet. Um, yeah, I, I think great grandma Irene bothered me because she's like, I'm not people, but I'm not a ghost. So, but she has like powers. So she's basically a demigod. And I was only 20 minutes into the movie. I mean, that was close enough to uh, your description. You could have just stopped there, but you didn't. So we had to pick up where the film left off. Uh, The same day as Irene goes and has a ghost experience, Curdy and his father are living in poverty underground in the mines, and Curdy falls through a porthole into the realm of the goblins. Hidden, he follows the goblins to a vast cavern where the sniveling goblin king... Uh, he's more like sniffling, not really sniveling. He's got a cold. Mm-hmm. And the malevolent goblin queen are holding an audience, announcing their scheme to flood the mines and drown the sun people, aka humans. Yep. Suddenly, Prince Froglip, the feared yet spoiled and infantile, I guess, heir to the goblin throne, announces that drowning them is not enough and states that he shall abduct the princess of the sun people and marry her, thereby forcing the humans to accept the goblins as their rulers. He claims that this is revenge for the humans exiling the goblins underground centuries beforehand. Also, I guess he just doesn't know that Irene is nine because he's definitely like 25. Yeah, Curdy is. Uh, Curdy's talking to his dad, and my immediate response upon seeing Curdy again was, "You're fucking adopted." <laughs> Curdy does look adopted. Yeah, this movie would be so much better if it was all rotoscoped. Yeah, but it's uh, not. <laughs> who yells? What's the matter with you? That I just wrote it down exactly like that. I guess it was the goblins. I love the goblins, though. They're really terrible. I thought they were fine, and I think it's because they weren't people. Like they weren't. They were distinctly humanoid, but at the same time, they weren't supposed to be real people. So you could get away with more interesting designs and less human features and more expressive. I think that's what I liked about them was that they were so much more expressive because you're not, you know, trying to keep the air quotes, attractive human face going, you know? Yeah. And then I thought about the song where there's a whip, there is a way also from (laughs) the animated Hobbit movie. Where there's a uh, whip. There's, okay. So the goblins made me think of Ralph Bakshi because they're actually animated and horrific looking and move in a genuine way. The goblins are definite. They feel like they're ripped from another movie because they actually have effort put into them. And it made me think we should watch Ralph Bakshi's Wizards. I just don't. I can't. I can't do Bakshi. Oh, but then we could talk about what a bad person he is. Oh my god, I haven't even... Is he problematic? No, he, Yo, wait, he is. Like, Don't... Yeah, he, no, I, I had to think. I had to double John back. Kay. He's deeply problematic. I had to repress a lot of Ralph Bakshi. <laughs> Let's unrepress some of that shit and then talk about it. Come on. Nope. Well, you know what you can do. Demand that we watch Ralph Bakshi on this podcast because you, our listeners that have rated us five stars on Apple Podcasts, are the ones that we cater to, right? 
If literally anybody ats us, we'll probably do whatever you ask us to do on this podcast. Honestly, that's very true. Like, I Uh, I don't do anything if I know you're actually listening. Yeah, honestly. Well, the only people that are going to add us to request things that we do things are going to be people that listen and make it this far. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening, season three, episode whatever the fuck this is, you are our most dedicated fan and we deeply love you. I bet it's Ryan. Ryan, we don't deeply love you. Please leave this podcast. Please leave. If you add us on Twitter, Ryan, we are not replying to you. (laughs) That's a lie. I'll reply. Instant block. Ryan is our only reply guy. Of course I'm going to reply to him. Rip. Rip indeed. Uh, uh, We got to get back to this fucking movie, which is not... It's a slow movie. This Mm -hmm. is a slow movie, and the goblins are the best part of it, and they look good, and they're well animated, and the goblin prince is the best character. Oh, hell yeah. He's like... He's awful. He's like a shitty mix between Stewie and, like, a punk that you would find in the streets of London back in the early 90s, and I was fucking feeling it. He's definitely not as hot as David Bowie... Like, as the Goblin King, but he still had, like, a weird cod piece. Yeah. Like, the knot on his, like, tunic loincloth diaper thing was very much where a, uh, where a penis would be. Oh, a penis? A penis? A penis. Yeah, right where his peninsula would be. Yeah, his penis. Panus. Uh, yeah, and he really is uh, jiggling those uh, panuses around. Oh, yeah, they, like, whip the panus. <laughs> he, does, he does so much with his hips, and I did not understand why we needed it. Yeah. Uh, I do like that the movie goes out of its way to establish that the goblins are culturally assholes. They complain about having to follow rules and not be violent when they're on the surface, just to justify the fact that they're trapped underground forever. Which is a very familiar story. This whole story is fucking familiar because it's cobbled out of ancient plot elements to be nothing. Hoi tatoi tatoi. Look out. Nope, that's Irish. Nice. My Uh, bad. Irene. Irene's father, the king, comes home from his long journey. Irene tells him of her adventures and he is clearly shaken by his kids seeing ghosts and goblins. The goblin's pet cat sneaks into the castle to harass Irene, leading her to hide away in her secret closet. Irene's grandmother exposits more in the secret closet, giving her a magic thread that is said to be tied to the power of good. Curdie leaves his home and sneaks back into the goblin lair to stop their plans, using a thread of his own that never comes up again. Before Curdie can run and tell the others, the goblins find him and try and restrain him. He uh, had a thread? Yeah, he, like, brought a big old spool of yarn with him when he was leaving. And I was like, oh, that's cute. Like, their threads will be intertwined. I get that. And then it never fucking comes up. Yeah, no, I thought that was going to be clever. It wasn't. Yeah, I was actually, I was excited by that. Because I was like, oh, that's really sweet, actually, to see, like, that they bothered to make this plot element make sense. No. No. 
the king comes home and does the Irene thing where he just asks her one word questions based on what she's saying. So we know where she got that uh, character trait from. But like, it's either that or you record more dialogue. And we both knew that they weren't about to record more dialogue for this movie. That's very true. Also, they the only had $10 million. That's <laughs> true. Only ten million in Only Welsh 10. money, which may Yo, be nothing. If I could have ten million dollars, I am now going to look up Welsh currency. Okay, while you're doing that, I can just complain about how the king looks exactly like the king from the Zelda Burger animated king. and CDI oh. series. He doesn't they look use like the-, the Burger King. Don't interrupt me while you're googling shit. They use the pound sterling. Okay. Okay. Uh, that 10 million really went far. Also, Irene is like, Ghost Grandma, you will protect me when evil comes. And it's like, Irene, she's only in that room. You need to take the magic that she's offering you. Oh. Okay. Oh. Let's hear it. Um... I just want to make sure I'm typing in 10, 10 million, right? Yeah. One, six zeros, and then two more zeros. And then a 10. Yeah. Um, so you know how I said $10 million in 1990 was $2 billion today? Yeah. I think that's like U.S. dollars. Yeah, what is in, it in Welsh dollars? Because in pound sterling. Um, ooh, wait. Let's see what it is in t- 2019 money. It's like 22 and a half million. Oh, so that's still assuming, a lot. Assuming it's the pound sterling, we good. Okay. But I'm just double checking the dollar. Dollar rate in 1990. I don't want 2014. I want 2019. Does it only go to... Ooh, beep, 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 beep. Uh, <laughs> 10. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6. Hey, yeah, so my numbers were really wrong. You know how I said it was like two billion? I yeah. fucked up a zero because I forgot decimal places existed. So Oh my god, Emily. It's still it's about twenty either way. It doubled. Fuck you. Okay. I try really hard for this podcast. She does. But when it involves math, I just can't do it. Hello? Hello. I'm still here. I was just waiting for you to finish talking. Emily. Oh, I definitely had finished talking. Um, So, yeah, this movie, he definitely looked like a cross between the Burger King and the King from Zelda. Yeah. Uh, And I like that Irene's great, 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 great grandma ghost gives her, like, literally is like, it's dangerous to go alone. Take this. I was like, you sons of bitches. 
Oh, man. At one point, uh, when Froglip sees Curdy, he just immediately yells, hurt him, hurt him! Kill the boy! I so wanted them to, like, actually hurt him. The goblins pick this movie up and actually make it move. And also, Froglip was totally right. They should have just stabbed Curdy. Yeah, they super fucking make this movie, like, worth watching because they're the only characters that do anything and are compelling to look at. Yeah. Uh... Also, this fight scene between Curdy and the goblins is where I noticed that this movie has no music or foley in most scenes, and it really bothered the shit out of me. And whatever foley is there is really bad. Like, all the footsteps and hits are all, like, one sound over the and over water again. Noise, the water noises sound like they were recorded in a bathroom, and it was somebody in a toilet bowl. And, like, that just <laughs> did it for me. I, I think the... My only issue with the goblins was for living underground, they had a lot of really vibrant colors incorporated into them. And I know that's like, you know, for artistic and aesthetic reasons, because you don't want boring, gray looking characters like Pixar is coming out with in 2020s onward. Mm. Um, mm. Uh, and Froglip mm. was weirdly ripped. Yeah, Froglip. Froglip can fucking get it, okay? He's Yo. goth, he's got some style, he's very uh, confident in his desires, he can fucking get it. Yeah, he- Also, Curdy mm. was really hurting them. Like, they all seemed like they were getting very injured. Oh, yeah, but he was, like, just stepping- It, it hurt my ears. Yeah. Uh, also- Irene has, like, a trippy drug sequence that just didn't make it into the plot summary because it's utterly useless, and this part of the movie is going exactly nowhere. I forgot about that. It's, like, three minutes, and it does nothing. Ooh. No, I honestly didn't remember that at all. I think I had fallen asleep. Yeah, uh, so Curdy is imprisoned and Irene is, uh, you know, drugged up. Yeah, I... Oh, they they lock Curdy in um, a cave, by the way. They basically Jesus him. He's rolled, he's, he's shoved in a cave and a boulder is rolled in front of it. And my note on that was, I hope you fucking run out of oxygen in your shitty cave prison, you useless piece of shit child. So I had very strong feelings at this point in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so Irene and Turnip sneak out of the castle again, following the magic thread given, given to her by her ghost grandmother, which is invisible to everyone else. The thread leads Irene and Curdy to working together, and the two children are chased by the goblins, but luckily they escape. The miners are warned of the flooding in time to begin erecting supports to keep most of the tunnels free of water, and the castle is also put on guard. <laughs> I wrote here, hell yeah, Irene, skate or die, because she, like, slides down into the goblin mines like, on Like, down the rock. stairs. Down the stairs on a piece of slate. And if anybody it's has dope. ever seen... Uh, the Lord of the Rings, the two towers in Helm's Deep where Legolas fucking rides a shield down the stairs. That is exactly what happens, but for way longer than necessary. And I was like, easy there, Legolas. But in that moment, I realized exactly how little Foley there was. Like, Irene slides down stairs and rocks on this like piece of slate and it's basically somebody just extended rubbing one rock against like 
a sidewalk and like that is the full yeah. like, that's the whole noise forever yep it's bad yep it is bad it's but you're right really tony bad. hawk would love this movie tony, tony hawk, hawk would do you listen love to our movie. podcast no you don't know that tony hawk one is on a lot of planes and two is a very regular guy i feel like maybe he listens to our podcast he was on rocket power one time yeah he was but rocket power is relevant to his interests if we ever do a rocket power movie maybe tony hawk will listen to us Oh, so what I'm hearing is we should be watching Tony Hawk's Boom Boom Huck Jam, a terrible animated movie that actually exists. I'm sorry, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. yeah. No, that's not real. Oh, it's real, baby, and it's on the list. Oh, no, don't put it on. You have brought Boom Boom <sighs> Huck Jam upon yourself. Why? Because he said Tony Hawk would only listen to our podcast if we mentioned him. We will fucking at him on Twitter when that episode comes out next season. No, we can't. Oh, yeah. We can't at Tony Hawk. I'm going to at the shit out of Tony Hawk. Tony Hawk will love it because I'll recognize him. Man, I love Tony Hawk. He's so pure and good. He's never done anything terrible. And it seems like it's never going to come out that Tony Hawk did anything mean. I do really appreciate Tony Hawk as a person who is alive. He seems pretty cool. I think uh, he's alive. He's alive. At Tony Hawk, are you still living? <laughs> I think he would answer it. Tony Hawk is great on Twitter. This, <laughs> he really Go read is. Tony Hawk's tweets. Yeah, honestly, put this on pause for the rest of forever. Unsubscribe and then follow Tony Hawk on all social media. Yeah, it's worth your time. Uh, can we talk about the fact that in this movie, only literal children are aware of this goblin race war? No, the miners are aware of the race war. Vaguely. Vaguely. Yeah, I mean, they're not, like, super into it. How How is the thread tied to the ring that Irene is wearing? Magic. What? Okay. The, what is this? I have, this movie is so slow. Stop crying and get the fuck up. No, we make the same comment because mine is, Irene, oh, just move okay. these rocks, you dumb fucker. Right, It's right, just right. rocks that are in a pile, and she's like, I can't fit in there, sob, I sob, can't sob. move these rocks, they're too heavy. Oh no, turnip, what shall I do? Fake crying noises. Yeah, that the rocks just fall over. <laughs> yeah, the rocks magically fall over, and then she gets to Curdy's cave, and Curdy has like, first of all, I'm taking issue with this. Um... Mm. Okay, here's my issue. Curdy tries to move the boulder that the goblins put in front of the entrance that he was put into. Irene is like up in the fucking ceiling when she's like, Curdy, push this boulder out of the way. And he's like, I've tried that already. And I was like, no, you fucking haven't. Like, have you climbed to the ceiling and tried every boulder there is? No, of course she didn't. Right. So I was like, Curdy, stop fucking complaining. And then he's like, she, he's like, oh, the rock is too heavy. And she's like, I believe in you. And he like magically is able to push this real fucking heavy boulder out of the way and then slides down on it. Yeah. Like, yes, you do. They need to be stopped. They were just so into this stupid gimmick that they think they like did real cool with 
I like that Curdy is just as skeptical of Irene having a grandmother as he is of her having a magic thread. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's mainly because when people died back in ye olden days, they were like 30. They didn't make it that far. It's fair. Who has six toes? Who? Maybe the Goblin Queen? I don't know. I don't understand that part. I don't know. I guess someone had six toes. Why else would I, I write it? Well, the Goblin Queen had six toes, and everybody else, all the other goblins, only have one toe. They basically have penis penis feet. Again. Yeah. Penus. Penus. The penus. Uh, the penus. Yeah, no, their their feet are literally just penises. Um, Yeah, yeah, I don't understand why she had six toes, but she wears rock shoes to protect her feet, which is great. And I'm, I feel that like 100%. Yeah, uh, running is so bad. The running looks bad. And as you've put it, there's no foley for the running. Yeah, no, it's real bad. Uh, I looked at the timestamp on this because it was taking a while and I was like, okay, this is just like a slow mid 15 minutes of the movie. Like, we'll pick up in a minute. The movie only had 30 minutes left and somehow nothing was still happening. The only note I had about that was that Irene definitely started this movie as a redhead and she ended up like brunette at the end. Like my color hair. But I also think she was blonde briefly during the middle of the movie. Definitely. Matter. They did not make a light chart for any of this. You can tell. No, they there were was just there was no color. Anything. There's no consistency. Yeah, <laughs> they had no color key. I don't know what it's called. I know what you mean. Uh, my note. Turnip is a real one. He is not having this danger. But Irene is very ready to adventure to her death, which I respect. I could definitely relate to that. Like, for sure. I respect it. <laughs> Irene takes Curdy to the castle to her, like, ghost grandma room, and she busts into the door and is like, meet my ghost grandma! And then is shocked when the room is empty and the spinning wheel is covered in spider webs, and <laughs> her face is just like, oh shit, it was a ghost the whole time. Like, holy shit, ghost grandma was a ghost the whole time? <laughs> My grandma wanted me to find my own magic. Yes, Irene. She said that like 30 times. Thank God you listened. Yeah. And and then when, um, oh, fucking, what's her name? Oh, when Curdy is just like, it's, it's not that he doesn't believe her. He's just not really about it. And Irene has this moment of like, I thought we were friends. And then I was like, Curdy is like 12 and she's like eight. Irene was really rude to Ludie after this. And I was like, oh, she's always rude to Ludie, though. Yeah, but initially she's like rude to Ludie in the way that you're a little kid and you're kind of rude to your parent. But this she's just like, Ludie, get me my father. I'm the princess. Well, it's because nobody was listening to her before. So like, I kind of get it. She's a dumb fucking little kid that runs away all the time. I wouldn't listen to her either. I also feel like sometimes the animation got better and then sometimes it got like way, way worse. But there was a massive difference between just being average 
and just okay, you know? Yeah, uh, the door in this scene just radically changes size a couple times, and uh, it's very funny. Yeah, you were like, how big is the, how tall is the door? And I said small, or king is tall. (laughs) All right, we're moving into the end of the movie. Uh, So here's the last plot node. The goblins do attack, and Curdy must show all the castle people how to fight. Namely, to jump on the goblins' feet and sing. Such fighting. Uh Curdy also realizes if the miners are successful, the water will have nowhere to go but up and will end up flooding the castle. Eat the rich. He tries to get everyone to leave, and he he and the king realize Irene is missing. Curdy finds Irene being held captive by the evil froglip. All three are knocked down by the arrival of the floodwaters, and Curdy tries to rescue the princess and not get thrown over the battlement edges by the goblin prince. With some help from Irene, Froglip is flung away and everyone is saved, and the movie ends. Thank God. (laughs) The sequence opens on Ludi getting fucking hammered with some wine, and it explains why she's always losing Irene. But I would drink too if I had to look after Irene. Irene is probably exhausting as a like, child. Let's, in all fairness. <laughs> um, Curdy like breaks his leg or some shit and ghost grandma shows up and she's like, I'm Irene's grandma and kisses his leg and heals it immediately. And then she explodes into a shitload of doves and it was great. <laughs> yeah. And, and I once again confirm that she's more like a demigod than anything. Uh... Also, why doesn't anyone in the castle and presumably the royal guard know anything about goblins, the seeming only enemy of this kingdom? I didn't have anything to say. Excuse me. I didn't have anything to say about that. The only thing I could think about were the penis feet. <laughs> just, <laughs> just thinking about those penuses. Uh, those goblins were thinking with those penuses, though, because there was a goblin just licking Ludi's tits. Full um, stop. Yeah, no, he is. Oh, just. Yes, yeah. he's just really going to town. away on Titty Town. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, no, it's like, it's it's not even, it's just weird. Like, it's so out of place. Like, why would you put that in? Yeah, it's really like this part of the movie is weirdly tonally dissonant from the rest of the film, which is very safe for little kids and kind of slow and boring. And then suddenly it's like goblin titty licking. Everything's destroyed. The castle is fucked. And it's like, whoa, okay. We are really cramming a lot into these last 15 minutes. We're, we've got titty licking. We've got penis stomping. We've got actual violence. Yeah. Uh, at one point, Curdy tells them all the sta- to stomp on their feet, et cetera, et cetera. But then he ends up picking up a sword. And I'm like, I guess you could also stab the goblins. Why wouldn't you just do that? Uh, I did. The barrel scene really threw me off because you were like, we could just stab them, I guess. So there's a moment where you're like, yeah, you're going to do a stabbing. But then like Curdy like chases the goblin queen into a wine cellar and 
the sound work with the wine barrel fight was fucking trash. Like it was like three feet shuffling noises. Meanwhile, the characters are like flinging around the room. The goblin queen is on the ground. I had no idea what was happening. And it looked like they wanted to take the barrel scene from the animated Hobbit, but they fucked it up so hard. And then on top of that, after this whole fight, the king is like, oh, good job, my boy. Like, thanks for saving us all. And then Curdy is like, where the fuck is Irene? And then the king is like, oh, shit, I forgot about my only child. Well, guess she's dead. Uh, the castle's just real fucked up. And the animation on the floodwater, like how they animate the water at all, changes from shot to shot, which is fucking... It's great, but it's terrible. It's yeah, the worst. At, at that point in our notes, I couldn't tell if you were sarcastic or not anymore because my bar had dropped so low when it came to the quality of animation. Uh, speaking of that, the water f- sounds that they had, it just sounded like a gentle trickling stream, but it's literally floodwaters or like a waterfall and it would just be like dripping water. <coughs> I'm allergic Busty. to bad sound design. Indeed. Uh, my note here is just, what is this movie, Emily? I don't fucking know. I, ha- I have, Irene is at risk of, and then I cut off. Yeah, I don't know what that means. I think Uh, I wanted to say drowning. Yeah, probably. Because Turnip is also about to drown, and I did not want him to die. And then my immediate next note is, fuck yeah, Froglip, eat this kid. Damn, Froglip, you are metal, but also a literal child will beat you. Yeah, Froglip was just way too metal to live. Irene did something to Froglip that made sure that he died and she just did a cute reaction rather than seeming horrified or scared like oh I just condemned this goblin to murder I'm so cute it's like teehee death to my enemies motherfucker (laughs) uh they were gonna smooch but then Irene just kissed him on the cheek and it was disappointing yeah cause kissing on the lips is for marriage fucking whore I know it is. Uh, they. Uh, this is a genuine complaint. They didn't sing at the goblins like during the fight scene, which was surprising. And I feel like that might have actually helped them fight better. They. They did sing a little bit as they were leaving the castle. That's all I have. Yeah. And with their one fucking song, they had fuck to save it. Song. They had to save it for when it mattered most. So, so they sing that song over and over and over and over and over. I couldn't tell you anything about that song. It should. This whole movie should have been a shitty musical, but they couldn't afford a songwriter for more than that. And I also could have sworn that Curdy didn't have a mother, but he apparently does. She's just not shown on screen. Yeah, no, she shows up at the very, very end. I also turned the hell down on the volume when this little boy was trying to hit the high notes at the very end. Like, it sounds like puberty was imminent. And that high note got hard. It's over. We did it. Sorry, I just saw a tweet that said, I am the Lorax. I come for the trees. 
That's true. Can we just talk about that instead? Do we need to do this next part? But you're not picturing it in Danny DeVito's voice. We do. We do. I'll, I'll run through it really quick. And by that, I mean, if you do what I do and listen to podcasts on one and a half speed, you're about to have a real goddamn time. This movie was released in 92 and 93 across Europe. It was picked up for a North American release by the Hemdale Communications Company for a summer release in 94. The company became defunct in 95. I'm sure there's absolutely no correlation between this movie being released and then a year later, the company going defunct. Fun fact, there were a lot of lawsuits and shit. I tried to read into it, didn't want to get into all that legalese. I just gave up. The film was, shockingly, a critical and commercial disappointment, and it only grossed $2.1 million in the U.S. from 795 venues. And that's mainly because it came out alongside Disney's The Lion King. Oof. Oops. In a desperate attempt to counter bad reviews, the Hemdale Communications Company asked movie critics to view the film with their children and then asked those children for their comments on the film, which they included in its newspaper promotion. The idea came from executives who thought animated films from the Disney company were preferred over those from other studios. They are not wrong. Hallowell's Film Guide deemed The Princess and the Goblin an uninteresting animated feature with a dull fairy tale plot dully executed. The New York Times wrote, if The Princess and the Goblin is mildly diverting children's fare, its characters are not sharply... Uh, its characters are not sharply focused visually or verbally. In a cinema that teems with terrifying monsters, the goblins appear to be ineffectual and unmenacing even when they are on the warpath. <laughs> that, yeah, that being said, that being said, the Princess and the Goblin received a seal of approval from the Dove Foundation, and it earned the Film Advisory Board's Award of Excellence. Moreover, it won Best Children's Film Award at the Fort Lauderdale International Film Festival. Wow, these are prestigious awards and not at all garbage. I don't quite know what the Dove Foundation is, but the Film Advisory uh, Board is kind of a decent deal. Sorry. Dove the Foundation is like Christian family movies. It's not impressive. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The first two factors are faith and integrity. Yeah. Uh, where a high number denotes a movie with positive character traits. For Faith, a rating of four or five is reserved for movies with overt Christian themes. Yeah, they're deeply, deeply into the whole Christian thing. So Dove Hell Foundation means yeah. actively nothing. Okay, cool. So this movie was bland enough that people enjoyed it. But the film yep. advisory board was like, good job, everybody. Nope. So, uh... Any of you fuckers remember VHS tapes? Because the Hemdale Home Video premiered... Sorry, Hemdale Home Video, which is just, you know, a subsidiary and or offshoot of the Hemdale Communications Company that went defunct. They premiered the movie on VHS sometime after its theatrical outing. They don't give a date. I had trouble finding one. I assume it was within a year of the North American release. It was then Assuredly. released on fucking DVD in 2005 by Illumination Filmworks, because of course it was. And here's the weirdest part to me. And maybe it's because I didn't own 
anything like this, or we just didn't partake in anything like this. The VHS version features information on a child support hotline in which lost children could call a number displayed on the screen to speak to one of the characters. There were alternate prints of the VHS release, including one with a different magic phone card promo with a real-life agent instead of Irene's great-great-grandmother. And then there was a recent one with entirely different previews, and then there was a printing without the J&M Entertainment logo, and the film begins immediately after the Hemdale Home Video logo. So there were a bunch of VHS versions of this, but I don't understand the child hotline. Yeah, if a kid's lost but also has a VHS, yeah, like that, that lost. What? Yeah, like what was going on there? What the? I didn't under. I I just could not understand what was happening. Uh, it was absolutely foreign to me. I just. Yeah, I didn't know. I just confusing. didn't know. All right. Would I recommend this movie? Fuck no. No. Don't do I think do this it. movie was a mistake? Yes. Absolutely. Don't do it, y'all. But today, we have brought you this podcast from the comfort of our current sponsor. Truck that is not only for food, but is also for other things. If you ever wanted to be inside of a food truck, but not necessarily for food, perhaps a mobile podcasting studio. Truck that is not just for food, but is for other things, has all the kinds of truck needs that you could ever need to truck. Most of them are, in fact, retired food trucks, since this trend has no longer uh, become viable as a business option. So they may still smell like the remnants of whatever food they once did. The truck I'm currently in smells of, I want to say pita you know like maybe it was a falafel truck it's kind of it's a little oily it's a little heavy but it's not too bad so really like you just get to bathe in a a very sticky scent and get your work done you know it's cheaper than office space it's cheaper than going and co-working somewhere and really it's just all about helping the environment so you know look into trucks that are for food but also for other things in order to find a habitable co-working space that only kind of smells like some kind of dying food product what the fuck this has been animated opinions i'm melanie i don't know anymore Bye. Bye. Yo, what the fuck?